You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. This is our second one, super excited. Um, and today we're going to talk about different paths to motherhood. Um, today specifically is adoption. So we have lots of wonderful friends who have adopted children. So we've invited two of these uh, women to come join us today and talk about their unique experiences with adoption. So before we get started, let we want to just let our listeners get introduced to you. So Abby, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Abby Rosser and um, I have been married to my husband Brent for 23 years. We have four kids. Our first, the first way we added to our family was with twin daughters, which was a big shock. And then three years later, we had a son. And then um, when our son started kindergarten, I just really felt the calling to adopt. And so then we added our um, our last child to our family, Ezra, who just turned 10 yesterday. Wow. Ah, I saw that too. Happy yes. birthday, Ezra. Um, and he was adopted from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Awesome. Okay, we're really excited to hear more about that. And first, we want to meet Kristen. Kristen, tell us about yourself. Yes, I'm Kristen Hunziker. Um, I've been married 10 years today oh. to oh. my childhood sweetheart. Um, we have four kids. Our first came to us through foster care. And six months later, we gave birth to my next um, <laughs> son. And then we have two daughters, three and one that just turned one. So oh, Wonderful. Yeah. So um, two very different um times you adopted. So yours was your last one and yours was your first one yes. and really quickly followed by yes. by another one. So Abby, tell us um, what, what you said you felt called mm -hmm. to adoption. What do you mean by that? Well, I think, um, so my degree is in elementary education and I was a kindergarten teacher and I, I work the preschool at our church now and um, my husband is a pediatrician. So we both have a real love and calling for children and the care of children. But um, so when our son Knox went, started kindergarten, I just felt like it's hard to describe because it wasn't, I know some people who aren't able to have children, they feel like a void. And, they, right. and I understand that from a, the aspect of I really wanted to be a mom, but I was a mom. Like I already had three kids, but I just felt this like there's more, I have more to give. I just felt, we just felt super blessed and I just thought this feels wrong not to find a child who needs a home. It just felt wrong. And so I told my husband that, and he said, you've lost your mind <laughs> because you just got them all in school. Like, what are you thinking? And so I just committed to pray about it and not nag him because I knew I could, I could talk him into it. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> but, um, not just because I'm good at talking him into things, but because I knew I could make him feel guilty. But yeah. I didn't want that to be the case. I wanted him to feel like he's the father of this child as much as I wanted to be the mother of this child. Mm -hmm. And so I just let it go, which is not always the way I do it. And so just really prayed about it and prayed and prayed. And then after about a year, one one Tuesday night, I remember we were both sitting on the couch, the kids were in bed, and he looked up at me and he just said, out of the blue, he put down the book he was reading and said, I'm ready to look into adoption. And wow. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And I was like, you know, because I had been Googling and looking at things. And so, I mean, I didn't say, I didn't tell God I wouldn't look at it, but I, just, <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't um, hound Brent about it. But then, uh, so we looked at it and we both felt really pulled towards Africa. And, um, you know, when people talk about having, feeling called, it's hard. 
it's hard to describe it. I'm sure it's different for different people. Some people have vision. Some people hear voices. What I felt was this constant, like, itch that I could just could not let it go. And it just, it was on my mind all the time, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think if something's on your mind all the time and you are a believer and you're in prayer, then that's God telling you, I've got something for you. Mm-hmm. And so um, so we started that process. Um, we started it in... We started the process in 2010, in 2011, we got matched to him in 2012, okay. and we thought that year was like the longest year, but it took us almost four years to bring him home, oh. because of the Democratic Republic of the Congo is, I mean, there's just so, so much corruption. Mm-hmm. We think there's yes. a lot of corruption here, and there is, mm-hmm. unfortunately, we've got all our issues here in America, mm-hmm. but we do... Um, we don't understand really what it's like all over the world. Okay. And so it, we had lots of ups and downs. He got, he contracted malaria like four times, was hospitalized, had broken bones. I mean, lot, I could just go on and on about it and tell you um, like horrific stories, but God was so faithful to mm-hmm. us. And so he gave us that calling and it wasn't like the next day he was home. It was like, now be faithful with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we just kept trying to be faithful in the process. And now he's home and in mm-hmm. April he will be with us for five years, so... That's oh, so yes, that's so how old was he when he was five? five. Okay, mm-hmm. so he was one when we got matched, and we thought mm-hmm. we're gonna have a, a little one. This will be great, mm-hmm. and so and then that carries its own issues because you know he's in third grade as a ten year old, so he's a little bit older, you know, but he has some issues with reading. He's and all my friends who also have adopted from Congo, and we all seem to all have boys. They all have the same issues. And so, you know, I want to say, God, if you had let him come home when he was one or two, I could have been doing the things with him that I did with my other kids and he wouldn't be having these problems. But, you know, we put these, um, you know, constrictions on God and these, well, if you'll do this, then I'll do this, you know. And in the end, it's just like God's like, I want you to be faithful in this way and you are faithful and nothing's, it's not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. you know. And the story's not done yet. Who knows what's going on? Exactly, exactly. And, 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 for his birthday last night, we went and ate at a Chinese restaurant because that's what he wanted. And we all went around and said, this is what we do for birthdays, we all went around and said our favorite thing or our favorite story about him. And um, the what my daughter Ella said to him, she said, I, she said I, Ezra, I love to see how much you love Jesus. And so, you know, like, you know, he's he struggles with reading and he struggles with so many things about school, but he... He does have visions. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and he yeah. talks about things in the heavenly realms that the rest of us are just almost blind to. So, I know God's doing big things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. wait to see. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. What's I love that birthday tradition. Yeah. We're thinking of doing an episode on birthday traditions. Remember that? <laughs> that's great. That's, a, good, that's yeah. a great one. That's such a sweet thing to do to um, yeah. encourage each other and build each other up, as we're told yeah. to do. Right. Um, in Scripture. So, um, Kristen, tell us a little bit about your story. Um, getting yeah, your son. Yeah. So. Um, Originally, my husband and I, we were reading a book together, Scarred Faith, and in the book, it challenged you to find where you can enter the suffering of the world. Like, that was the question. Mm -hmm. Where can you enter the suffering of the world to bring about God's kingdom? Here. And so, the whole time we're reading this book, we're praying together. At this time, we didn't have kids, Mm -hmm. so we had lots of time to read and (laughs) be quiet and pray together. So, um, that's what we were doing, and for us, it was a very clear voice. Of I want you to take care of children that don't have a family. That was it. I want you to take for care both of children. Of for me. For you. I heard okay. that. I knew that's what we need to be doing. At the time, we really weren't interested in adoption. 
um, foster care was where our heart was. <laughs> and God revealed little pieces at a time for our family. So I was pregnant with Judah, our oldest biological child, when Braxton came into our life. He was about eight months when he came into our life through foster care. Mm -hmm. And um, he stayed with us for about two years and we did the whole system of foster care visitations with oh, family. So you still had contact with yes. mm -hmm. yeah. parents? Yes, okay. we still kept in contact with all of his birth family, really, uh -huh. mm -hmm. keeping those ties strong. And mm -hmm. I wanted him to know where he came from and um, who, where his identity was, you mm -hmm. know, originally. Right. So um, the foster care process, though, we took, I think at the time it was like 10 weeks of classes. There's like three-hour classes. They're called PATH classes that you go through to become certified. And um, we took those classes together. They're like three hour, we were like date nights, you know, three hour date <laughs> nights. So we would go together and then you do your home study like with a traditional mm -hmm. adoption and then they start calling you, you know, about different children that can come into your home. And at the time we were pregnant, so we knew what we were able to bring into our home and what we were not. So mm -hmm. we would get calls all the time about like five siblings or three siblings wow. and yeah. we were just not able to do that. Mm -hmm. So we got the call about our son and it was just right. It was the right timing. Um, it felt right. But you were you thinking, I'm going to adopt this boy at this no. point? No, we no, were no. still in foster care mo yes. like mentality. Yeah. Okay. Especially being pregnant. I mean, yes. I was like, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Especially right. being pregnant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so you had him for about two years and then I'm guessing like the opportunity came up to adopt him? Yeah. So after visitation back and forth, it just was obvious that it was time for that next step and the change of a goal to adoption rather than the foster care path. So that's when we began the adoption process, and it was about, um, I would say, another nine months to a year before all of that was finalized. And all of that was through DCS. We didn't go through like a private adoption or foster care agency. It was with so a DCS. state sponsored mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I assume state by state, all of that process is different. Yes, it is. On where you're living. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a good um, question for both of these women because they did have different experiences. So. Um, I think probably a lot of people think about adoption. Well, Bonnie, you looked at some numbers. I did. About a third of all Americans have thought about it one time or another. Well, we is, did. Did you all? We did. We never did. Yeah. We didn't. Um, but a third of all, which I thought was a pretty big number. Mm -hmm. What a funny statistic. Like, how do you know? know? Oh, right? Like, what am I thinking now, Bonnie? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, but only 2% actually go through with it. Two. So, Number two. Two percent. Two percent. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's all of them. International, foster care system, all the different um, ways and avenues you can do that. So, uh, yeah, I just wondered what makes somebody decide to, and then yeah. what makes somebody just say, you know what, I put that aside. Yeah. Maybe it's an, an act of obedience, or maybe it's just not the right time in your life. Or, or it can or, seem daunting, like to find an agency, and the cost may the cost seem, is, um, yeah. you know, we had insurance at one point, my husband's insurance. It covered adoptions. It was a beautiful wow, policy, awesome. and um, because back at the in the day, we were looking at like twenty five thousand yeah. dollars to adopt a child. This was in the late nineties, early two thousands. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what it is now. So, how do you find an agency? Like, what did you do? Um, I asked friends who had adopted from Africa, not from Congo, because when so when we started the process, we thought we just felt 
pulled towards Africa and a lot of people were adopting from Ethiopia. And once we started the process, that closed really quickly, but we already had an agency and they said they just started a program in the Congo. And so, I mean, I know like you, you wanted to kind of get into international versus domestic and by the time people listen to this, if they listen to it next week, whatever I say about this, we changed totally right yeah. because it's and especially with COVID and everything, mm-hmm. you know. Well, about twenty years ago, they said about um, there were about twenty thousand international adoptions a year, and it's dropped less than uh, half that, yeah, because well, of all the closed doors. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I mean, I you know when we were going through the process, it wasn't. I kept thinking because this is what you do when you're waiting on something and you're worried about, especially about a child you know who's in a really difficult situation is you just at least what I do and I spiral through my thoughts you know and so it's like you know I go through and I'm like is the government keeping us this from happening because they're trying to save face because they don't want America to come in and you know like I'm all these things think through I mean I I because of that because it took me us so long to bring them home I like there was one time I literally I was telling a friend this the other day who's who's in the process of adopting from India she and I've been talking a lot and and I said, one time I sat down and Googled, when will Ezra come home? <laughs> um, <laughs> I Googled the answer that. And there was some show at the time, I don't even remember what it was, Gossip Girl, some show I don't even watch. And it was like, Ezra, something, something. I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> I would have like these like, fantasies that I would go to Congo, and the president at the time, his name was Joseph Kabila, and he was the one who really was stopping this from us bringing these kids home. And there were hundreds of kids yes, who were yes. legally adopted and they just weren't allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. And I've had these like fantasies that I would go there and like maybe his own son would fall in the subway tracks and I would rescue him. And then they'd <laughs> let me bring him up. I mean, like, this wow. is the way my mind was going constantly because I felt so out of control. So desperate. I, I could For not your... control any bit of this. Yes. And you know, yeah. and we'd get the news oh, he was in the hospital. He had a fever, but he's okay now. What? Can you give me details? Or? Yeah. yeah. Nothing, you know, and then yeah. with the language issues. And I mean, there was one time when a U.S. investigator went to go see him because they were reinvestigating everything. They went to his orphanage and he wasn't there. And that's all the news I got is they said, oh, he wasn't there. And then the line clicked. It, I locked, dropped the line. And I was just, it, I had to do it on a landline and I was in our pantry and I just fell to the ground. I mean, like, I can remember exactly how that hardwood felt on my knees because, I mean, I was just like, what now? Uh, yeah. Like, what do I do now? You know, yeah. and then they found him. The, the director had taken him and a few other adopted kids to another orphanage because she didn't have enough food for everybody. And so she took them to make sure they have enough food because she knew they had parents. And so she has to make, she had to make those kind of decisions. But anyway, um, so someone who is considering going into international adoption, and this I had this conversation with my friend when she started hers, I would never, ever want to discourage anyone from being obedient to the calling that God's given them. Never in a million years. But I also wouldn't want them to go into it without knowing. Exactly. Without knowing. Because, I mean, and you, I'm sure you know this too, there's all these studies about no matter when you adopt a child, like, so... Um, when we all we had mounds of paperwork we had to do right Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's the same with domestic but like ours was in several languages and everything Mm -hmm. but there was one piece of paper that I I would I would look at and would break my heart every time I looked at it It was called the decree of abandonment Mm -hmm. and that's just the term and but to us we hear that word abandonment and it just breaks us but that was the legal term Mm -hmm. for saying he is allowed to be adopted like he is that's his orphan status and um, there's there's an imprint on them that never goes away even if they are handed over in the hospital to mm-hmm. an adopted mom and they are cared for and loved, there's a connection they make with their birth mom mm-hmm. in the womb. And, um, and he never made that connection. His mother passed away, and so he was taken to the orphanage right away. But still, there was always going to be this 
this trauma of being abandoned. Right. And so mm-hmm. I tell people, right. you know, it's the cost. The cost stinks, but I mean, I'm not gonna say money is money, but you can fundraise. I mean, like, yeah. there's ways around it, There's it. ways to do yeah. it. And the travel is a pain in the drain, and there's all so many things like that. But <laughs> none of that, <laughs> all the, all the, all of the, the, the trauma for us of of waiting and bringing him home and worrying and worrying is nothing to raising him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because raising a child who comes from trauma is, yeah. it's, it's very difficult. So that 2%, and I'm not trying to like glorify us that look at what we've done, but it is not for the faint of heart. Mm, yeah. That's a really good word um, because I, I have friends who have adopted and they haven't given me permission to share their story. So I'm going to be anonymous, vague about this, but they didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was a sl- hard slog for mm-hmm. the first couple of years when they got back, that just raw, mm-hmm. rawness. One child um, performed and tried to be good, 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 so they'd be loved, and the other one rebelled right? because um, they were so angry, both for the same reasons. Right. Uh, and you have to work through, work through all that, and um, I had no idea right. that it, it was that kind of trauma. I, I think as a Christian, we, we look at adoption because we're adopted mm-hmm. into God's family, and we think it, it's this beautiful thing, and it is beautiful, um, and God does draw us into his family. We are estranged from him outside of Christ, but uh, it's a pain. Mm-hmm. It's a, like you said, it's an imprint that's mm-hmm. there, right. that they have been abandoned, that um, every adoptive family is going to have to deal with right. at some point or another. There's a book that calls it The Primal Wound, yes. and um, it really is. Our stories are similar in that feeling of desperation. So um, during our time when he was in foster care, and we were making these visitations, but mm-hmm. things just weren't working out. It was obvious that mm-hmm. his first family, it was not going to work out. And I had that same feeling of desperation mm-hmm. every time I would rock him, mm-hmm. um, wonder, okay, are they going to finish the goals and then he's going to go back? Ultimately, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart still wanted him, mm-hmm. wanted mm-hmm. him in our home. And so I think it's often painted the picture of adoption, the whole one-third of people that have thought about doing it. Um, they want to participate in bringing good and right. mm-hmm. and doing the right thing, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um but it is so hard, <laughs> that primal so wound hard. Mm-hmm. that um, they bring into that. I have people that ask all the time, well, did, well, how old was he when you got him? And I'll say eight months. Okay, so he didn't, he I doesn't remember he any doesn't, of that. Right. And right. like you said, it does not matter if you get a child straight from the hospital. They have an imprint mm-hmm. of the biological bond that they mm-hmm. had with their birth mother mm-hmm. that they carry with them forever. Mm-hmm. And... We can't feel that mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. adoptive mothers. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We get to walk along with them yeah. in that trauma. Well, I, it occurs to me that, that a lot of people, myself included, uh, I have said before, oh, people who adopt, they're just special. They are, you know, somehow all these superhuman, called angelic people. But I know y'all, you're regular people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and bless you for what you have decided in your lives, but you're just regular people. That's right. And families that adopt yes. are regular mm-hmm. people with um, sadness and pain and, and all the stuff that goes along with it. So um, how would you say that you specifically, as a regular person, <laughs> a regular mom, how do you navigate what you just talked about, walking along beside? 
for me, I've really had to reach out to other circles of people that have gone before me and done all of this. Yeah. Um, I've read a lot now, mm-hmm. um, books that I didn't think that I would need to read necessarily. Yeah. Or um, if we can put some of those, if you'll tell us some books that have been really been helpful in the notes, um, yeah, the links to the podcast, yeah, so people great. can get access to those. Um, but I guess finding those circles of people that are walking through it too, mm-hmm. just yeah. like you said mm-hmm. with Ezra, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the same people that have adopted from the Congo, they're experiencing those same difficulties, whether it be learning difficulties or behavioral. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, you see that we're all struggling with this. Truly, Mm -hmm. most adoption circles are struggling with these things. Most Mm -hmm. adoptees are struggling with these same Mm -hmm. feelings. The kids themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. okay, that brings up another question. So what do you do for Ezra? What do you do for Braxton? Do you um, get together with other kids who are the same? To help um, them? When he first came home, we did. Because we had a few, nobody else in Murfreesboro, but some in Middle Tennessee, and we would get together some. Um, that's fallen away, and of course here recently, yeah. get together with anybody. But um, <laughs> I had them, I had these other moms on, you know, speed up, so to speak. And so we'll run things past each other. Yeah. But um, I, you know, I think so much of parenting and, and being a mom, we unfortunately look at each other and we like, sure. oh, she's got it all together, you know, all that kind of thing. And so it's also good to remember what works for one person doesn't always work for someone else. And so, like, um, for me, what's worked so well with really all four of mine is it's, I was thinking about that this morning. It's almost like I'm a optometrist. And you know how you, when you go to the optometrist and they put down the different ones, can you see better A or B or whatever? And so I'm constantly putting down a lens, especially for Ezra, where I, so I can look through it that helps me. Like we have this thing we say in our house, it's a reason, not an excuse. And so for this behavior, you put down this lens and I'm like, I look through it. Now, if Nas acted that way, I'd be like, dude, you're 15. You can't this, this, or this. But this lens comes down for Ezra, who's 10 and who's only lived with us five years, is, you know, knows that we're not his biological parents. You know, you look through that lens and so I have an understanding of his behavior and then we can talk about it, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, but I w- would do the same things. Like if you know, if you have a child who's anxious a lot, mm-hmm. and you put down that lens and you think through. Okay, she's got three tests, so she probably mm-hmm. just okay. Come here, let's talk about this. Are you mm-hmm. are you stressed about your tests? Mm-hmm. No, it's just it's a level of understanding, and so I'm constantly having mm-hmm. to get the whole separate lens out for him yeah. to understand. And I'm never going to fully understand what's in his head, but. I would, I think I can say there's no one on this planet that understands how he thinks better than him. Like the, last night he and I were sitting and he was trying to say something and I was saying stuff at the same time as him just to, just to tease him. He didn't really like it. <laughs> but, but he was like, how do you know what I was saying? Of course, I'm saying that while he's saying it. But, you know, like talking with him. Yes. And I'm like, dude, I know everything about you. <laughs> because that's what I've decided I'm going to be an expert on. I'm yes. going to be an expert on Ella, Lucy, Knox, and Ezra. That's what I'm going to be an expert on. And I'm not an expert on much, but that's something I've just mm-hmm. decided that's what I'm going to be an expert on. Amen. Um, that's that. A, that, that reminds me of the verse where it's, it talks about um, fathers do not exasperate your children mm-hmm. like, and to know them. Because I was teasing him. No, no. But if you don't know your child and you do just have, right. you don't contextualize like you're talking about, um, it is frustrating yeah. because they, mm-hmm. they have different personality types, different For spiritual sure. giftings when they receive the Holy Spirit. They have... Um, just a different birth order, all the things yeah. that makes them a unique person. And you're right, they don't respond 
um, right. in a similar ways, which is why we all have different stories, right? Of of the same family we grew up in. Yeah. Yes, right. Because we experienced it different than our mm-hmm. yeah. differently than our. And that doesn't make me perfect that I'm trying to learn them. It's just that I'm more likely to understand what's going on with them, Absolutely. but I don't always act right once I have that. Well, of course, yeah, we don't either. But it's like that's a that's a good word, Abby. That to, to the, the, the optometry yeah. um, metaphor is really helpful, mm-hmm. just in in terms of thinking of your different kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I love so, I mean, that. I have twins who are born 15 minutes apart, and they are more different. Like, one of my twins, I says, is more like Ezra. I'm always like, Lucy, how is your twin not that girl right there? And this kid that was born in Africa. I mean, like, they are so much alike. That's and so great. It's just funny That's how that works. That is great. I love that. <laughs> so, um, it's interesting that a lot of families, I think, in fact, most families who adopt already have their own kids. Hmm. Or... Like in your case, you did. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't out yet, yeah. but you did. Yeah. So, given everything you all have said about the, the trauma that you know is there and um, all the struggles that you have to go through mm-hmm. with a child like that, um, how, in what ways did you consider your other children, Abby, that you already had and ones that you and David probably knew were down the road? In what ways did you think about them mm-hmm. and how that would affect them? Well, for us, I mean, it, it was nice that ours were so much older. And some, in, uh, it's like a double-edged sword because there's some things where he's like, why don't I get to stay up till midnight? I'm like, so some of that stinks when there's a big age gap. But it's also good in some ways because I'd already spent so much time with my first three and really been able to focus on them. And then I could focus on Ezra without them feeling like I was mm-hmm. neglecting them. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that definitely helped. But they were a part of the process. Like we, So were they in on the decision? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a family vote. It was a family vote. Okay. And, and oh, Knox yeah. was, I mean, it, I mean, he was still, he was like, in kin, well, by the time we, we got, we really started it, he was in first grade. So he wasn't like he was, and the girls were in fourth grade. So it wasn't like they were old, but Knox was like, kind of like, I'm behind this as long as it's not a girl. That was kind of <laughs> Can I have a brother? So, okay. so, and did, the, did you take that into account? Or, or did you, are, did you know, well, we're probably getting a boy. Right? I knew we already were. I knew, I knew an, it. It, what I had read and learned was in adoptions in Africa, a lot of times people prefer girls. And so I knew, and in Congo, um, this is heartbreaking, but in Congo, uh, what we had been told was if you adopt from other countries, you are rescuing a child from poverty and possible death. But in Congo, especially at that time, we were rescuing him from becoming a child soldier. Yeah. And so, and a, and a, and a girl from from really like possibly being a prostitute in you know with those soldiers and stuff like what they would do is they would go to or some of the uh, armies would go to orphanages and they would take some like four and five year old boys they take boys and they give them a whistle and they tell them it's a magic whistle and they set them out and they say as soon as you see the army blow that whistle and you'll be protected but of course so that they would know that the army was coming but of course that would make them the first person to be killed mm-hmm. and so when we heard that story it was like well we have to Mm. I mean, we just, we couldn't hide, yeah. you know, at that point. Yeah. Um, luckily, he was in, really most of the fighting was on the eastern side, and he was on the western side, so he pro- that probably wouldn't have happened to him. Mm. But, um, I mean, other people from his same orphanage have, have told us, their parents have told us that they have memories um, of soldiers coming into their orphanage. Yeah. And wow. so, um, wow. you know, it's... Yeah, wow. it's heartbreaking. What would you wow. So, um, what about, yeah, for, what about you? For our, so we didn't have kids, um, we have not birthed the kids yet <laughs> when Braxton came into our life, but 
Um, I'll be honest, like I did not, we did not take all of that into account. We knew we wanted our family to be diverse. We wanted our family to love on the fatherless. Like those mm-hmm. were foundational things we wanted for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's definitely pros and definitely cons. So the great thing about it is all of my kids are within like six years of each other mm-hmm. and they're very close and they ask all the questions at all times. So it really yeah. brings things to the forefront. Mm-hmm. His adoption story, like we've been able to talk about that openly together and we mm-hmm. learn about it all together. That comes with a lot of difficulty though, yeah. you know, in their immaturity mm-hmm. and um, asking questions that mm-hmm. might not be um, appropriate, I guess, mm-hmm. to ask at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is what we wanted our family to look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it was more of a mom and dad, obviously, because of the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're yeah. yeah, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you wish somebody would have told you um, before you started this for a while? You were in the midst of this process. Is there something like uh, I? Because I know when I had Emma after the delivery, I was like, Why did nobody tell me this? So in some ways you can't describe it, right? It's indescribable mm-hmm. until you've been through it. I was going to say, when we decided to do foster care, everybody told us, don't do it. Oh. oh. Do not do it. Like, you don't have kids. You don't know what you're doing yet. Ah. Like, you don't need to participate in this, really. So I feel like most of the people told us all the negative and, like, bad mm-hmm. things <laughs> that could happen, could that happen. would happen. Yeah. Um, and I didn't mean just bad, but I guess I did sort of mean bad. <laughs> you know, yeah, the good and the yeah, bad. Yeah, the good and the like bad. Biological yeah, and the good and the bad. yeah, the good and the bad. But yeah, delivery was mostly bad. <laughs> um, what about you, Abby? I don't know. I was trying to think. I think if I had known, I might not have done it. So maybe this worked out the way it needed yeah. to work out. <laughs> right? Honestly, yeah. You know, there's some of the things. I mean, I was gonna. I'm just gonna confess that I've got some weaknesses that make me lazy and make me you know fearful of things and if I had known some things I mean mm-hmm. like his his first year home you know there was a language you know he didn't know what we were saying I mean he caught on pretty quickly but a lot of times he didn't know what we were saying but um he did not like me <laughs> at all like there's there's definitely a, you know everything I've read had said that oftentimes they'll prefer one parent or the other and he for sure preferred Brent mm-hmm. like he really and he didn't like Ella or Lucy either and I know there's like a real kind of kind of a macho uh, kind of paternalistic kind of society there um, where they kind of look down on women and so I think that maybe played into it a little mm-hmm. bit but he did not like me now of course now I, I think I can safely say he does but um so I wow I all that time of waiting and all being that so yes. desperate and, and then, then just having your feelings just, rejected. Just, I mean, so how do you how did you navigate that I mean, without I mean, being in despair crushed. yeah um, so he came home in, it was April when he came home, and then they all went back to school and Brent went back to work. And so literally for hours, I would sit and he would, I would try and hold him, he wouldn't let me hold him, and he would sit in the front yard in the grass and yell, Papa, and cry because he mm. wanted Brent to come back so bad. And let me oh. just say, Brent is great, but he doesn't really <laughs> do anything especially, I mean, he's great, but I'm just saying, I was doing all the things. No, what am I doing? Yeah. Other than like breastfeeding him, I was doing all the things I done with the other kids. Wow. So I'm just like, what is what what is different? But he just really connected with him and oh, did not so like me. Sweet. So we got into 
it was like I just needed it's almost like when they're newborns and you just like I just need a schedule and so we got in a schedule and so he would cry from like when they went to school till about nine o'clock and then we'd come in and I'd pop popcorn for him and we'd watch Mulan I don't know why Mulan mm -hmm. I don't even know I guess because there was like shooting and violence and stuff and it's kind of a violent <laughs> Disney movie but we don't care and so we would do that every day and we did that pretty much all the way until the end of May when school let out and then over the summer it got a little better because Knox was home and because he just adores Knox and Knox was a really good big brother to him they shared a room I mean like he was but I mean like I was sleeping next to him every night because I didn't want him to wake up during the night and be confused I mean like I was doing all the things and so I would say for someone who is is considering it um like uh, this is another thing that I've told my friend is you just cannot let things hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of parenting is like that. It's just oh, like yes, you know, like say it, it louder. It yes, yeah. say it again. Right. Say it again. <laughs> because you know, like right now, if Renee said something hateful to me, I, it would hurt my feelings, which she never would. But if one of your kids do, you cannot react oh, the same as if your you know right. if your friend did, and you have to just go, okay, we don't talk that way, or whatever, mm -hmm. and maybe go cry in your bedroom. But you can't <laughs> let things hurt your feelings, mm -hmm. and so that's why I kept telling myself. And like I said, I put that lens on going okay he's come from trauma and all the reading I had done you know bolstered me up because during those four years I didn't have anything else to do except for read mm -hmm. I mean, the same kind of thing and so it was like telling myself this is this is his normal way of grieving this is his yeah. he yes. doesn't understand what I'm saying he doesn't like our food it smells different here it looks different here everything's different mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and I would see a lot of parents I was on like a closed Facebook group with other Congo families and they'd be like um, like this one mom, I remember she wouldn't let her daughters leave the table until they asked to be excused. And they didn't even understand English. And I thought, that is so ridiculous. You cannot expect them to react the same way as your other kids or whatever. And so I kept thinking, okay, I've got to remember that and, and be able to explain it to my other kids. Like, if they're like, why are you letting him? You never let us. I'd have to be like, okay, you understand this is where he comes from. And this yes. is. So there was a lot of explaining to them, which was also internally explaining to me. Um, so I just had to just take it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. That's a whole mm -hmm. other thing. Your head knows all that information. You've read all that information. Mm -hmm. A whole different beast mm -hmm. to feel that yeah. happening. And to heart. do it day in and day uh, out. So that's what I was going to say. Is like the what I wish somebody would have told me was it's a long game. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you often say that. <laughs> long game. All and that's what it is. is. It's yes. like yeah, things aren't going to change right when you adopt them, mm -hmm. or even when you've had them for two years in your home through foster care. Yeah. It's not going to change right at adoption. Mm -hmm. It is a long game. Mm -hmm. And um, I love your analogy of the lens. Mm -hmm. Picking that out mm -hmm. and putting it putting it in front of your face. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And when you have, and like we do, we have children who definitely look different than the rest of their siblings. Yeah. You know, you know with our sons, since they are, you know, they're not Grace. white. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole other issue that... You, you feel like they're fine when they're all in your home and then like if they were to go to school or they go to something else and then they're like where's your real mom and then you, yeah. and then you have this whole you feel like you're at a good spot and then you have this new hurdle and you're like okay did that hurt your feelings come here and let's talk about it you know what I mean like yeah I mean, they're constantly being triggered yeah right, exactly yeah. absolutely so but I think a question that I wanted to ask all what's the what is something just you know like when you see somebody that's little bit overweight maybe you know the one thing you never ever say is hey what are you expecting when's the baby do <laughs> like the things that you don't say I, I know there's some of those with adoption too mm -hmm. so what have people said what do you wish that yeah, you tell us what not to say yeah. tell us please what not those to say those well-meaning <laughs> questions that people are just curious yeah. about what what's off the table 
yeah. I think that real mom, that whole idea in which all the books I've read have kind of prepared me for that, where yeah. kids, it seems like it, more country kids are really old men. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. But it's where the old <laughs> Really? Where old men? real mom or... Because there's no filter, I think. Yes. The older we get, the less yeah. of a filter. Or is, is he yours? <laughs> Are they all yours? Which seems yeah, so exactly. innocent, but as these kids, like, Are they grow, all yours? They hear, mm. they hear that, yeah. and they're like, well, that's my mom. But mm. these people don't see that. Yeah. So, okay. right? is that your son? Okay. Yeah, that is my son. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, of hard. course, there's, like, off-the-wall stuff people have said. I mean, did, did his parents just give him up, or yeah. did right. people mm. just not want him or is like he a drug his, baby um when they when they were younger yeah wow because they think you can't they hear can't, you know yeah, they think but they can't no, no not not so much now you yeah. know that they're older but mm-hmm. yeah when they were younger i remember a, a guy at church one time asked me so is he a drug baby did you get him from the hospital oh, oh. i'm thinking no oh you know so oh, no. they have no filter yeah he was an older man <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they say things they shouldn't say. I I know for us, when we were in the process, a lot of people said, why would you adopt internationally? There's so many children here Mm -hmm. in America, Mm -hmm. you know, which all, which all goes on the assumption that children in America are worth more than children Mm -hmm. all over the globe, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, so that, Mm -hmm. that's always hard because first of all, I mean, if it's someone I dearly love and they were like, why did you choose it? I'm happy to sit down, but, but it's almost like a near stranger and you're just like, I don't really want to get into this with you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, so. What's your quick answer? This is who God gave us. We're yeah. so happy God gave us. My him. answer is, I am going to do for him. I, I felt like we need to do for him, but I, I mean, like, I'm going to say that Braxton is just as important to the Lord as Ezra is, mm-hmm. and he would say the same thing. And so I'm just like, I'm so glad that Braxton has a family, and I'm so glad Ezra has a family. No matter where, what country they're born in, which one would you choose to not have the family? Yeah, exactly. How could you pick? Just like, and you know, the short answer is, people said that to me, and I say, how many kids have you adopted? Usually the answer is zero. That's what I was thinking. The answer is usually zero. I mean, like, if they had like seven kids that they had fostered and adopted, then I would be like, you have room to speak. But most likely, they're not in that two percent. You're right. Maybe not even that third who thought about it. You're right. So they just, you know, it's just better to. Yeah. So. No, oh. just not, yeah, good, that's a good life lesson in general. It's yes. just, you know, if you don't know something about it, yeah, maybe you yeah, need to. Yeah. Yeah, Another exactly. common question I get is, so is it the same? Is it the same as your uh, right. your real kids? Your real kids. Your real I hear kids. that. I've heard yeah. that the with same my friends. Your real kids. Is your real kids. So, which is a terrible way to talk about, like right in front of. They're right. all your real yeah. children, first right. of all. So what about extended family? I know sometimes people have um, trouble, especially mm-hmm. older generations, you sure. know, accepting different races or whatever. Did you guys have any? It was a little different for for us because on one side of the family, they didn't have grandchildren at all. Mm -hmm. And so the first grandchild was a child through adoption. And that was a little different for them Mm -hmm. to think of because it was my calling. It wasn't necessarily their calling. And I had Mm -hmm. to be okay with this is a little different. Mm -hmm. And they they love him. The exact same. Mm-hmm. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was different for them to mm-hmm. take that perspective that that's my grandchild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool to see, yeah. like, the multi-generations stretching and growing mm-hmm. and yeah. being, being blessed to expand their vision of family. Mm-hmm. What about you, Abby? Well, and I think, too, that you have to, especially the older generations, you have to allow them the time. Because, you know, it had been on my heart for, like, years by the time right. we came home. And so if, you know, Peepaw in the nursing home, if he wasn't quite ready for it, you know, 
I, I need to let them have their time. Yes. And then ultimately, mm-hmm. how they felt wasn't going to affect how mm-hmm. what, what we did. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I have to say that I from our family and extended family, we've never had... If they've said stuff, it's been behind closed doors. They've never, ever said anything to us. My husband's um, sister, she has two daughters that are adopted from China. And so, and they came home before Ezra did. One of us, we were in the same process. We just took longer, but... So that she kind of already paved the way, yeah, which nice. was nice, and so oh, cool. it made it almost kind of a little normal. But but it's also been great because I have the sister in law who I we compare notes quite a bit um, with her daughters. But um, so we we felt super supported. Our church was very supportive of us, and and the one thing about it taking so long to bring Ezra home. When Ezra, when we finally did, we, we kind of cocooned for a while, but when we brought him to church, people would be like, morning, Ezra, morning, Ezra. And he'd be like, morning, Ezra, morning, Ezra. why everybody know me? And like, <laughs> He's like, oh, like, oh, paparazzi, get away. Because we did. Yeah, yeah, we were so when he was baptized at church about a, a little over a year ago, I mean, it was like not a dry eye in the auditorium mm-hmm. because it was like everybody kind of, felt like they went on that journey with us. Mm-hmm. It was such a culmination of it. So, um, so I don't know. We're super blessed in that way. But I can imagine, I've talked to other friends who'd say, I want to adopt and we'd love to get a child that's, you know, not white, but my parents, blah, blah, blah. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to say to that person other than if you feel like you need to do it and, that's, yeah. and you have to cut ties with grandparents. I would, I would hope that it would not be permanent and they would warm to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Every situation is different. Right. You're going to make sacrifices no matter how you do it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's parenting. It's it's never about yeah, us. Definition I mean, of parenting. It's all right. selfless. I mean, we're not always good at it. I'm not always good at being selfless, obviously. But um, you're going to make sacrifices one way or another. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things I, I do tell um, people when we're talking about parenting, by now teaching parenting classes, is I thought I was a really nice person. <laughs> And then I had children, and I realized exactly how selfish I was. Oh, and it yeah. just started peeling back all the layers yeah. of self-centeredness and selfishness. And um, yeah, it's it is about giving up, you know, yourself mm-hmm. for someone else. And I'm so glad for it. Absolutely. Yeah, so okay. glad for it. Yeah. It. Well, thank you guys. Thank y'all so much for sharing yeah. such an intimate, really part of your life story, your family mm-hmm. story. Um, we hope that it helps someone yeah. else out there who's considering um, adoption, foster care. Um, we didn't even talk about it, but David and I did foster care. We thought we can't go all the way in, but we did respite care. Mm-hmm. Um, and that maybe that's just a story for another time, but there's ways that you can support mm-hmm. other people. So our friends who were fostering, we would take their child on the weekend yeah. mm-hmm. so that they could, that's um, great. so that they could have a little bit of a break because he was a special needs um, child. So there's all kinds of ways that that you can be um, partnering mm-hmm. with people who are adopting and um, and lots of great resources. Well, like I said earlier, we'll get those book links in the um, yeah. podcast episodes so people can um, get what they need if they're really mm-hmm. considering it. Mm-hmm. And I, your stories are inspiring. They are. I mean, even with all the, the hard stuff, it's it's an inspiring, it's an inspiring journey and it's been neat to see. Mm-hmm.
both of you all go through it. it so, and you know, um, our favorite book says that we're all adopted. So yes. it's, it's a great lesson for everybody, <laughs> even if you're it not is. bringing that child into your home. We all are adopted in yes. some way or another. So yeah, God's very great. patient with us, so for sure. As, <laughs> I was thinking that when you were telling that. I was like, wow, I'm pretty sure I've acted that way to God a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not wanting him around, unfortunately, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Starting and crying. And, yeah. You know, he's putting that lens down for all of us. Yes. 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 Okay. So I true. <laughs> Grace lens, grace lens. Uh-huh. There's always there's always this phrase like meet the need behind the behavior, you uh-huh. know, like also exactly. Right. I'm like God's probably looking yes. at us thinking, okay, what's this behavior yes. and what's the need behind the behavior? And He knows it. He knows exactly. He was there with mm-hmm. us when we were doing whatever stupid thing we were mm-hmm. doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's another episode. The stupid things we've done. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's probably a four part series. Yeah, four part series. <laughs> the stupid things we've done. So thank you all for listening. Yeah. If you like us. Um, Go to Facebook, just ask your mom. Instagram, just ask your mom podcast. There's a website too, just ask your mom.com. How do you like the ring of that? So <laughs> check us out there. We, um, we link the article summaries there to these podcasts. And like us. If you like the podcast, that's how we get more people listening. Yeah, um, rate, rate us. And review. Yeah, rate us. And um, if you don't like it, you don't have to rate us. It's fine. No, no big deal. <laughs> keep your thoughts Just to yourself. keep your thoughts to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say something nice. So, don't say anything wrong. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll Thank see you, you next time.